Friday, March 18th. This is episode four of the Boys of Spring podcast. We're back with another weekly recap. My name's Ryan Miller. With me today is New York Yankees associate scout and Katua Ketleers, director of baseball ops, Pete Flaherty. Pete, how's it going? I'm fired up, man. It's going well. I'm excited. We got conference play this weekend. We had a great weekend last weekend, and I'm excited to break it all down with you. Yeah, I know this weekend starts conference play, but last weekend we had some pretty good matchups. Yeah, no, absolutely. We had games like we had series like Wake and Florida State, Campbell Liberty, NC State and Notre Dame had a quick twofer, and um, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech had a really, really hard fought three game series down in the flats. So I'm excited to run through those with you. Yeah, for sure. And let's start with looking back at last weekend. We could start with that Wake Forest and Florida State matchup. Going into last weekend, I thought that that was going to be a very good series. Florida State ended up taking two of three from Wake Forest. I believe I picked Wake to actually take the series. Just kind of an underrated pick for the weekend. But Parker Messick didn't have the greatest start ever, but Ross Dunn was nails and so was Bryce Hubbard. Yeah, I mean, I it, their rotation and pitching staff as a whole is, we talked about it, I think, in our season preview. And I think we've touched upon it every week, how deep Florida State's pitching staff is. It obviously starts with Hubbard and Messick, who continue to just give quality starts. Um, and Messick, what's crazy is even when he wasn't at his quote-unquote best on um, Friday against a really good Wake Forest offense, still went five innings, 11 Ks, I think only allowed three runs on a on a, um, on a three-run home run. But, I mean, that pitching staff is for real, um, and they're going to get even better. They're still missing guys like Jackson Neza, um, who should be coming back soon. And then once guys like Wyatt Crowell really find their their stride and get in a rhythm, that's going to be a really, really hard team to win uh, even, a, even a game on a weekend. If you have Ross Dunn working like that on Sundays, it's, it's, it's just kind of scary to think about if they can even just hit a little bit and they've and they've shown it a little, they've shown it with Jaime Ferrer, the freshman, Brett Roberts, Alex Terrell. Um, so, so they're going to, they're going to continue to pitch. And, and if they can hit, I, I still feel good about them getting to Omaha. Yeah, for sure. And we were, we were talking about this before we started. I don't think that Florida State's record accurately represents how good they've been. You know, Reese Albert, Jamie Ferrer, and Brett Roberts, they, they've all been very, very good for that offense just to, to add to their great pitching staff. Yeah, no, you, I think that's a perfect point. And you said it before we started recording and, and, and I, and I think that, you know, you couldn't have said it better because you look at their record and it's 11 and five and you're like, why are they ranked so high? Yeah. 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 But then if you dive deeper onto their team and look at their schedule, um, one, their pitching staff is, I mean, it, I sound like you're broken. Right? They're, I think they're the best pitching staff top to bottom in the country for, yeah. for what it's worth, them in Oregon State um, and then Sneaky Gonzaga. But, again, they're hitters. Like, they've got two young guys in Jaime Ferrer and Tibbs. Um, Tibbs is the more powerful of the duo. He's that kind of profiles as the corner outfielder, first base type um, with plus power. Terrell, everyone knows about his power. And then the best pure hitter on the team is probably Brett Roberts. He's got a super professional approach. It's to all fields. Um, and then the key for them offensively has been the play so far of Reese Albert. Um, he had a down couple of years. Um, 
and during Corona, which isn't really a year. Um, and then last year, but he was a super highly tied recruit um, may have not necessarily lived up to the expectations coming in, but this has been a really good way to write the ship so far in his last season. And, and that's what they've needed. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to Campbell and Liberty. They were supposed to play a three game set that probably would have been fun to watch for three games, but one game did get rained out. Um, Zach Neto just continues to hit. He's up to a 396 average. He's slugging 755. Where do you think he could go in the draft? Yeah, well, I think it was an, just an inevitability with with guys like Zach Neto um, and others who have gotten off to a slow start. I, I don't think anyone was ever worried about Zach and his ability to hit. Um, and And so it was just a matter of time before he had a series like he did against Liberty, which for in my opinion, they're a really, really quality team. I don't think their series against Campbell really affects my standing with them, but no, I, I think Zach's a guy, one, he's going to continue to hit um, that series as well. He needed to break out. I don't think there's any looking back for him. Um, and he's going to be able to, there's a chance he's going to be able to stick at shortstop at the very least. He'll, he'll, he'll be able to play up the middle at shorter second base. Um but man, I, I think there's a chance that Zach could go in as early as the the early part of the second round, maybe even the tail end of the first round. Um, if he was able to somehow repeat the insane numbers he put up last year, which is such a which is a huge ask. But I don't know. We've seen some teams quote unquote reach in the past. I I really think that there's a chance he could play himself into the first round and at the very worst be a middle of day one pick. Yeah, I feel like Neto's a guy who a team towards the back end, as you said, could maybe quote-unquote reach on, maybe get him for a little cheaper. If they really like the bat and the profile, I could definitely see him going in the first round. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. Harrington, too. Thomas Harrington, their right-handed pitcher, he he had a very good start. He went seven innings, struck out seven, didn't give up any runs. He now has a 0.67 ERA over, I believe, like 25 innings this year. Yeah, in a college pitching class that I wouldn't necessarily say is is weak. I think you could say it has less depth than in the past. Yeah. Um, but if all of these guys were healthy, Landon Sims, Reggie Crawford, Connor Prelip, I, I, unfortunately, the list goes on. Um, if they were all healthy, I don't think we would be talking about how weak they are, so with with the lack of health in the college pitching class this year, I think Thomas Harrington is a guy um, we talk about all the time, especially recently, um, who are some guys who could pitch their way into the first round um, with in the, and into this upper tier of college pitching that has seemingly just, it doesn't exist anymore with all of the injuries. With Tidwell, you don't know what's going on. Wisenhunt, um, we all know what happened there, unfortunately. And then Sims again, Tommy John. So Harrington's super projectable. Um, I, I think that the big key for him is going to be, um, the kind of getting that velo up a little bit this spring. Um, I know that in the fall, it wasn't, um, I don't think it was, too too loud or I think early in the season it wasn't too loud but if he can get his you know velocity in a comfortable spot and prove that he can start I think the key for him is is going to be showing that he's able to throw three pitches um so if he can show he's got three pitches and 
um, continue to pitch in a tough big South conference. Again, I think that there's a chance and it's looking more and more likely that he's a day one selection. So Campbell is in a good spot for two day one guys. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I was looking at the box scores from Liberty's two lineups and their leadoff through cleanup hitters didn't really produce this weekend. I'm not really too worried about that. It, as as we did mention, it was only two games. It was supposed to be a three-game series. But I definitely think that they're a, probably a top 15 team in the country. Yeah, their offense, it's interesting. Derek Orndorff has been a name that's popped up for a yeah. lot of people. I know you love him. Um, it's hard not to. I think he got his 10th home run um, either in their midweek or last weekend. Um but he makes that offense go. And then pitching wise, they, their, their best arm is Trey Gibson. Um, he's a huge, huge, just the hulking righty. Um, talk about looks the part. I think that um, he's the definition of looking the part. Um, he's got a, a, his fast, he's got a super good fastball up to 97. His breaking ball is a hammer. Um and they've got a freshman lefty, too, who's been pretty good, Garrett Horn. Um, the numbers are really good. And Cameron Foster, their freshman bat, if you take a glance at the numbers, I don't think that anyone would really, like, freak out about him or or, or get excited. But he's going to be really good for him. Um, he's a good prospect. He's got a good body, projectable, long-levered. Um, and yeah, they're, they're a really good team. And, and in the Atlantic sun, it's hard not to, to imagine them running through that conference. So I'm with you that Liberty's another team and, and uh, they're going to be in that mid-major conversation to host. I think when all said and done. All right. NC state and Notre Dame, these two teams are very different. One is going in the right direction in Notre Dame. They're shooting up top 25s industry wide. And NC State continues to struggle versus tough competition. They could find themselves outside the top 25 relatively soon. Yeah, I, this series is huge. Um, or I mean, that that last series was um, was was pretty telling, I think, for NC State in that they have work to do. And Notre Dame identified some holes that they have. Um, they made Tommy White look human, which is they were the first team to, I think, do that again, outside of Campbell during the midweek game. But um, I really like the way that Notre Dame plays. Um, They're a veteran group. They don't really have like that one prospect like Georgia tech has Kevin Parada, Virginia tech has Gavin cross. Um, They don't really have one guy that you can point to and be like, Oh, Notre Dame has so-and-so they've got two legit prospects more, but their two best prospects in my opinion are Zach Preisner and Jack Brannigan. Um, But they're a team that's built on experience, which is so key. They've been playing with each other for a while. Um, And they, and and again, NC state is not a bad team. I think they're a really good team. Um, So for them to go down to Raleigh and sweep that, that little weekend series was huge. And then NC state, again, it's just going to come down to pitching. Um, we saw it. Uh, they need it. They need guys like Chris Villeman to get going and find it. Um, he had an up and down year last spring. Um, and he's a really good back end option for him. He's just got to be consistent and throw quality strikes. He's been getting pounded. 
Um, and then it's all about Sam Highfill and, and Matt Willardson kind of clicking on the same weekend. It's, it's been, it's been up or down. So, um, and then we all know about the offense. I think they'll be fine. I think they're a regional team. I don't think they'll host, but, um, this weekend against Florida state's going to be a, a really, really good test to see how good that offense is against Messick and Hubbard. Um, and then just to see if they can write the ship with an ACC win, cause it'll be tough to start. 0-2 in, in series-wise in ACC play. Georgia Tech. Let's talk about them a little bit. They had a pretty dominant sweep over Virginia Tech last weekend. And this upcoming weekend, they have a pretty tough task with Wake Forest. But I think, and we were talking about this before we started recording, I think Georgia Tech is a top-10 team in the nation. They've proven it. They are without Chandler Simpson this weekend. But, you know, Kevin Parada, Drew Compton, Andrew Jenkins – those those guys in that lineup, they're just producing right now. Yeah. Um, it, if Tommy White didn't didn't pull his antics that he did in the first week and a half of the season, people would be all talking about Kevin Parada as, you know, the as the best performance. Um, and he's just continued to hit. Um, he's got eight bombs on the year, I think six doubles and I'm everyone knows that he makes that offense go, but he's just been spectacular. And you mentioned a guy that I really like, Chandler Simpson um, transfer from UAB had a really good summer, historic summer in the Northwoods actually won the MVP set the stolen bases record. And he's gotten that offense going at the top. He's not going to hit for much power, but he's got really good bat to ball skills. He makes good swing decisions. He's a really smart baseball player. And I think he's hitting around 470 or so this year. And the speed is just, it's, it's otherworldly. You could put him, you could put him up against, I think any player in college baseball speed wise and including Enrique Bradfield. And and there's a chance that he wins that, that home to first race, but you mentioned it Simpson Parada Compton, they make that team go. And then Trace Gonzalez in the outfield is a really, really special player. Yeah. He's another one. Yeah, he's another guy. Just they don't they don't strike out a lot. I mean, he makes really good swing decisions. Again, he's got 70 hand eye and and he's great in center field. So I think for them, if they can continue to pitch, if Zach Maxwell can continue to show that he's a viable option as a starter, um, I'm with you. They're a top ten team. Yeah, and with Wake Forest, Rhett Louder didn't have the greatest start last Friday. But I think he ends up rebounding. I like him a lot. They're pitching. They, they just need to be rock solid versus this Georgia Tech lineup. So for you, what is Wake? Maybe what's a secret to Wake coming out and possibly taking two of three? I think the key for them is going to be to pitch. Like you said, they've got a really good rotation in Louder, Hartle, and um, McGraw. And Georgia Tech, it's kind of strength on strength. Wake's pitching staff against the vaunted offense of Georgia Tech. So I think the key for them is going to be to come out one and set the tone with a quality Rhett louder start, which I think that they will get, um, especially given the absence of Chandler Simpson. That's a big piece that Georgia tech is without this weekend, whether, even though he's just a singles guy, he sets the table. He's a menace on the base pass. If he, if he singles, it's essentially a double or a triple because he'll swipe second and third. So they're without him. And so I think they're going to get, at least two quality starts between McGraw, Louder, and Hartle. So 
what I think is going to happen is Louder's going to come out and set the tone with a really good quality start, six to eight innings, 11 to 12 strikeouts. I think Wake takes game one and a close one. And then I think, I think Wake wins the series two to one. I don't know what happens on Saturday or Sunday, but I, I do firmly believe that Louder is going to be back to um, back to form this weekend. It's definitely going to be fun to watch Mississippi state and Georgia. Now, Mississippi State, we've talked about it on previous episodes. They didn't get off to a good start. Now they're without Landon Sims, which is a huge blow to their pitching staff. They face Georgia, which Georgia has been pretty good all season long. Jonathan Cannon's a big arm for them. But Mississippi State's improved their record to 11-7 and so far. They've had a nice little stretch here. Do you think that they're going to continue their successes versus Georgia? Yeah, I actually, I think they do. Um, I know I've been, you could probably point to me as the Mississippi State hater on the podcast, but I, the key for them early was was with when they had Landon Sims was that they needed to hit and they just weren't hitting. Now they've been actually hitting and finding their bats, which which is a really, really big step for them. And I, and it, I know people were worried about that because it wasn't just a bad couple of games at the end of a series it was carrying over to midweek games against fairly lesser opponents that they should be putting up those lopsided scores which they weren't um but they have as of recent and and again Landon Sims is an immeasurable loss I you can't really quantify that but Cade Smith has been really good it's just going to be all about guys stepping up and filling that role and especially in the bullpen, you're, they're going to have to rely on Pico Cone a lot. I think Brandon Smith, um, Drew Talley, Brooks Auger, guys like that to step up. And and one bat I know they've been psyched to get going is Callum Clark. He was off to, I think, an 0 for 18 start to the season, which isn't a huge sample size. It's a minuscule one, actually, but he's been on fire as of late. I think he hit five home runs in six games. I think he's going to be able to continue to hit. I think they're in a really good place, and this is going to be a good series to, I think, get back on track. If if they're leaving Athens 13-8 and eight or even 14-7, and seven, people will look at that record and not really um, bat an eye. But, but morale-wise and in the clubhouse, that's going to be huge going into conference play with that. Um, so I, I think that they're going to come out and win this series in Georgia. All right, let's talk about NC State and Florida State. Now, for me, this may be a bigger series for NC State, just because if they get some wins over Florida State, it could be a big statement. And as you just mentioned with Mississippi State, that could be very important for their clubhouse. But as we mentioned before as well, Florida State's record doesn't look great right now. So, you know, maybe two out of three or a sweep will will really do good things for them in top 25 rankings and just down the road in general. Definitely. I I think that this is a huge series for NC state. Um, They, the narrative is kind of that they beat up on lesser competition and they can't do it against good teams. Um, They disproved that obviously last year with their run to Omaha that um, unjustly got cut short but this year it's been they beat the Quinnipiacs and the Longwoods of the world, and then they struggle against Campbell and Notre Dame and really any high-quality club. So I don't think you can get more high-quality than the pitching staff that FSU has with Hubbard Messick Dunn, name anyone on that staff, essentially. So 
they've got they've got a tall task ahead of them, and that's going to be a really – I don't think there's going to be a better barometer for the offense of how good it really is and can be than this weekend. And it's interesting. They're, the guys that make that offense go, they're all righties. Tommy White, Gino Groover, JT Jarrett. Um, Josh Hood. Josh Hood. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting series. I Hubbard and Messick will continue to pitch. I don't, I don't care whether it's a lefty heavy, righty heavy lineup. They're going to give you a quality start. It's just a matter of how much can this NC State offense hit? Um, how much can FSU limit the damage? And I think that the FSU offense could have a chance to, to kind of have a, a somewhat big weekend given the, the, the track record of the NC state pitching staff. So it's a really big series for NC state. They're kind of rolling with, um, I think it's Harris. I think it's Willardson tonight. They, they moved high field to Sundays. So, okay. I, I, again, I, I think like the Georgia tech or excuse me, Mississippi or yeah. Wake and Georgia tech series. I think the team that wins this series, it's going to be two to one. I don't think there's going to be a sweep. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it plays that. I lean Florida state just because that pitching staff is, is so, so good. And I, and I, and NC state won't come out of the weekend looking bad, but it's so tough to envision anyone taking two of three with, with Messick and Harvard on the mound and that bullpen. It's, it's just so hard. Yeah. Now, do you think there's any disadvantage for Florida state and maybe an advantage for their opponents that they, toss out three left-handed pitchers as they did last weekend and before with Ross Dunn, Hubbard, and also Messick? Yeah, I, I think that there's definitely an advantage. Um, I think there's more of an advantage to Florida State when they face a lefty-heavy lineup. I know yeah. with Messick, um, with Cal Berkeley, and Hubbard with Cal Berkeley, Berkeley's lefty. If you look at that, all lefties that make that lineup kind of click, Beavers and Martarella, um, Rodney Green, their their best righty hitter is is Caleb Lomavita, who's a stud. Um, but if in talking to guys on Cal after that series, they were saying that Hubbard was the best arm that they've seen um, that like that ever pitched against them. And these are guys that played in the Cape, playing the Pac-12. So I, I think it's more of an advantage to Florida State when they get a lefty heavy lineup. Um, it's just like it's just almost impossible to hit against them. And even if there's a righty heavy lineup, like NC state, I, 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 they're just not going to be able to hit Hubbard and Messick. I don't think anyone is unless they have a really, really bad off evening. And even in, even in Messick's off start, we talked about it. It was a three run home run and that was it. He still struck out over two an inning. So I think it's more of an advantage to FSU if they get a lineup that's littered with lefties and I don't think it's a disadvantage. I think we'll see this weekend, but because you can't get, uh, I think, a more vaunted offense than NC State. But no, I, I don't think FSU is at any disadvantage. Now, Stanford and Arizona is kind of a similar story. Um, Arizona has been pretty dominant this year. Stanford is sputtering a little bit with Brock Jones and Tommy Troy kind of struggling to get off to a great start. What do they have to do to have a productive series versus Arizona? Yeah, Arizona's a really good team. Um, we It starts, again, their pitching staff. They've got two guys that are, well, two guys in general that are the key pieces to that team on Friday nights. 
TJ Nichols, he's 96 to 99, gets a lot of swing and miss. Um, and then on the offensive side, it's Daniel Susak. Talking about him, you kind of sound like a broken record, but yeah. Arizona's a really good team. And so is Stanford. They had a, a down weekend against Oregon. That Friday game was weird. Alex Williams gave him another quality start. And then they weren't able to hit enough. And, and uncharacteristically, their bullpen, who's been so good this year, they they sputtered in the late innings and Oregon still won 4-3. And then on Saturday, they went up big early. And again, it was the bullpen that that sputtered and Oregon had a monster inning one, like I think 16 to, to 13, something, to, something along the lines of that. And then on Sunday they bounced back, but you mentioned it's the big guys got to get going a little bit. Um, and they're, they're extremely talented players, you know, Brock Jones, Tommy Troy. I don't think that, that anyone is, is viewing them in a lesser light when it comes to the draft this year, especially for Brock Jones, Tommy for next year, he's been hitting the ball. Well, he's been hitting the ball hard. Um, so I think that they're going to be, they're going to find their stride. It, it's, it's kind of like we were talking about Zach Neto, how everyone knew that he was going to bust out Brock Jones and Tommy Troy, maybe to the lesser degree of Zach, given that, um, you know, the PAC 12 is a PAC 12 for pitching. I think it's the best, best pitching conference in the country. That's not a knock on Zach. He, he's done that against the best pitching in the country, but I think that they're going to have similar weekends to Tommy where they really break out Brock. I, will probably put up power numbers similar with a two to three home run weekend. Tommy Troy just pulverizes the baseball and it's all about baseball. So hard. If you do everything perfect, you can still make it out and have your batting average be in the two forties to two fifties. And these guys only have 45 to 50 ABs. If they go three for four, four for four, have a weekend where they're six for 13, they're, they're right at, you know, three Oh five to three ten. So they'll get going. Stanford will get going and, and then they'll be fine. I think this weekend's a big one. If they can beat Arizona, I think people will pump the brakes a little bit on worrying about Stanford, but they're in that Omaha tier for me. And, and until they really play themselves out of it, they, they still will be. All right, let's move on to some underrated matchups for the weekend. For me, it's Boston College and Virginia. Obviously we know Virginia has been pretty dominant. They're moving up top 25s all over college baseball but Boston College has been pretty good, and with Luke Gold in that lineup, I think that they could be pretty solid. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, BC, it, it, it's been interesting. In the past, um, you know, like last year, they they had the pitching on paper, didn't quite pitch. Um, this year, they were coming in with two of those main bats, like you were saying, Luke Gold and Cam Leary. Um, and their whole lineup has really hit. Uh, Travis Honeyman, after his historic summer in the NECBL has been a great leadoff guy. Joe Vetrano has been great in the cleanup hole. And even guys like Parker Landweir have stepped up, who's last year was kind of their second catcher. Um, so UVA is a really, they're a vaunted opponent. Um, I think they're better than their ranking may show on some outlets. I personally have them, I think in the top 10 or so. So it is a tall task. They're as well-rounded as you can get, but BC is sneaky. If they can hit with you and, and get a quality starter too, they've been waiting on one from, I know Sean Hart, who's a really talented, true freshman. He can give you six good ones and on any given night. So if they run into a good starter too, and, and I think that they're going to be able to hit, 
they could steal one on Sunday in Charlottesville and come out of there with a series win. Yeah, for sure. So who's your pick? Mine is – I'm going to stick in the ACC with you. Um, mine is actually Notre Dame at Louisville. Louisville is a team that's flown under the radar this year. No one's really given them much attention. Um, and everyone's given kind of all of the attention at Notre Dame, and rightfully so. But that's going to be a tough series going down to Louisville. Um, Louisville's offense has been insane this year uh, at the top. Christian Napchak has been great. Ben Metziger, fantastic. Dalton rushing. Cam Masterman. Jack Payton behind the plate. The list, I, I could just, if I could name their whole nine and, and they'd be – they'd all be quality guys. So I think that's a really tough series for Notre Dame. It's going to really measure the degree of success for their pitching staff and how quality they are because in the ACC that the, this is going to be one of the better, if not best lineups that they face top to bottom. So I wouldn't be shocked if Louisville comes out of there with a series win. Um, Napchek is looking like a team USA guy for this summer. Um, Dalton rushing is, is really, really good. Everyone knows the raw power he has. So if they can pitch enough it, again, Louisville and BC, it's going to come down to just pitching enough. Louisville has really quality arms. I think, um, Riley Phillips, Michael Persecki, I'm going to leave someone off, but they've got the quality arms to steal a series against Notre Dame. And, and I think put them on the map and really make some noise in ACC play and in a regional. Yeah, for sure. All right, so this weekend and beyond, some things to look out for. This weekend, we're going to be talking with Ethan Badowski from JustBaseball.com. He also does some coverage on the Florida Gators baseball program. That's going to be a fun conversation. Another top 25 coming out on Monday. And yeah, I mean, we, we got a lot of really good conference play series to watch. So we will see you all. I believe it's going to come out on Saturday night. So watch out Saturday night for another episode of the podcast. Pete, any closing thoughts? No, another good week. I think that this week is going to say a lot about a lot of teams. So I'm interested to break it all down with you guys on, on I think, Monday or Tuesday. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.